has the power to wipe out the entire human race. If we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. So, welcome to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I am your host, David Dylan Thomas, and that quote was uh, Ben Affleck as Batman in Batman v Superman, the American cinematic classic, um, and uh, demonstrating uh, today's topic, which is neglect of probability. And it's this idea that if there is even a 1% chance that he could kill us all, we have to assume there's a 100% chance. But it may sound absurd, but actually that tends to be how we behave when it comes to probability. And part of the problem is probability is just not intuitive. Um, and I learned this the hard way when I took probability in college, thinking it would be easy, and it was actually one of the hardest courses I've ever taken. The math is simply not what your mind would logically jump to. Um, and uh, as an example, there's an experiment where you take two groups, and one group you say, okay, there is going to be a 100% chance that when you you know go through this experiment, you're going to receive a mild electric shock. You tell another group, um, okay, there's a 50% chance if you, you know do this experiment, you're going to get a mild electric shock. Now, the group that knows they're going to get a shock and the group that thinks there's a 50-50 shot of getting a shock when you measure their anxiety, it's exactly the same. And this stays true even if you take it down to 30% or 10% or even 5%, right? Even if there's only a 5% chance you'll get an electric shock, you'll be just as nervous as the person who knows for sure they're getting an electric shock. And that's how bad we are at thinking about probabilities because we aren't really thinking about the probability, we're just thinking, man, it's going to suck if I get that shock. How much is it going to hurt? What's that experience like? Not what are the odds of it actually happening? Um, so uh, you see this again, like we'll put our money where our mouth is when it comes to this, right? So they did another experiment where people were willing to pay $10 to avoid a 99% chance of getting electric shock, but to avoid a 1% chance right? Just a 1% chance. They're willing to pay $7, right? Almost as much money, even though the probability that they're avoiding is a 1% chance of something happening. That, that's bad. Again, what they're paying is to avoid the experience altogether, right? The probability is almost irrelevant. Um, and part of the reason for this is black and white decisions are easier to make, right? If it's 100% or 0%, like, let me make that kind of decision. That's easier for me, for my mind to contend with than, okay, well, there's a 50% chance of this happening, but a 30% chance of that happening. And immediately I'm like, just tell me what I should do, right? <laughs> my mind just gives once a clear yes or no kind of situation to decide against. Um, and this has real consequences because what can happen is you can actually make a decision where you've now increased the odds of something bad happening because you were trying to avoid the odds of something bad happening that were really, really low, and now you've picked something worse to happen that actually now the odds have gone up for. So what I mean by that is, like, the anti-vax movement, right? So let's even throw out for a minute the whole, like, you know, autism thing that, like, that's 0% chance, right? That is totally unrelated. But yes, there was a one in million... A chance, right? One in a, one in a million people who get uh, one in a million people get an allergic reaction to the MMR uh, vaccine, right? That's real, like one in a million, right? So that's one in a million odds. Here's the thing: if you say, "Oh, well, that's too risky," I'm not going to get it. Okay, here's what happens if you get measles: one in four are hospitalized, and one in a thousand die. All right, like on paper, those odds should be absolutely obvious, and yet people are still like, "Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to, I'm not going to give my kid the the vaccine." 
Never mind the fact that all the other kids who might then get measles, but just even if it was just your kid, the math should be obvious, right? That it's way better to avoid death, right? Take a one in a million chance that you're going to have allergic reaction to avoid, you know, a one in a thousand chance of death. That should be pretty easy, but again, that's not how our minds think of these things. Um... So uh, another one you'll see this with is is uh, lotteries, right? So people, you can tell someone you have a one in a hundred million chance of winning ten million dollars. That's one game you can play, or you can play the game where you have a one in ten thousand chance of winning ten thousand dollars. People will still choose the one in a hundred million chance game, and this is funny because you kind of see this behavior in Hollywood, where it is actually easier, right? To, if you've got the right you know variables in place to convince someone to invest a hundred million, two hundred million into a big giant blockbuster than it is to t- get them to take a smaller risk on like a thirty million dollar movie, just because they like to play at the big table, right? Like the, at the at the high stakes table, um, and the and that the idea of that reward and the glory of that reward and the size of that reward is just so much more tempting, even though the odds are so much more slim, right? That you're going to make that much money. Whereas the odds of receiving a profit on a smaller budget film are way higher. It's a much better investment. But the probability isn't what people are thinking about when they make movies. Um, uh, Again, going back to kind of like policy, like this affects actual public policy. And again, it can be one of those things where you might make it worse. So uh, the U.S. Food Act of 1958, it basically said zero carcinogenic substances in any food, no matter how unlikely, right, or the small amount that that particular element is going to actually lead to cancer, right? If there's even a 1% chance, right, assume it's a certainty. If there's even a 0.01% chance, assume it's a certainty. Okay, great, but here's what happened. People started substituting, right, things in those, those foods. They started substituting those substances with things that actually had a higher chance of causing other bad stuff happening, right? So they actually from a public health perspective, made the situation worse because now, even though it wasn't cancer you were going to get, there were all these other things that you were actually far more likely to get because of the substitutions that were made. So it's it's trickier than just saying we're just going to ban all carcinogenic substances. Um, uh, one of the obvious places you start to see this is when you take like something that's really unlikely but really terrible, like a shark attack. People have huge fear of shark attack even though the odds are really low. Or even more relevant today, right, a terrorist attack. Um, and these things seem to be coming with such a regularity that it seems like they must be common, but it's still very low odds that any one person will ever die in a terrorist attack. It's something like the odds of being struck by lightning, but it's so horrible and so much in our face that we think, oh, this must be a really common likely event. And, uh, Cass Sustein, right, is the person who coined the term neglect of probability. And they said, uh, this is a quote from them. Uh, they said, uh, terrorists show a working knowledge of probability neglect, right? And what they're saying is basically that that's how terrorism works, right? Terrorism is a tactic, right? A very horrible tactic that basically says, look, I do not have the ability to wage full war on you, but what I can do is scare the shit out of you and get you, get you to change your behavior by doing something that only affects a relatively small number of people. A very, very horrible, high, you know, publicity thing that affects a small number of people, but isn't nearly the same thing as, you know, firebombing Tokyo, right? Or setting off an atomic bomb, like, or, you know, I can't, I can't actually do that, but what I can do is do something smaller that's terrible, but you're going to now think it's common. You're going to now think that, oh, this is now what's going to happen if I try to get on a plane or go to the store. Um, and it's horrible, but it takes advantage of, it leverages this notion that we don't really think about probability when we make decisions. So, Case in point, the risk of dying in a plane crash did not significantly change after 9-11. But we all know our behavior definitely changed after 9-11 around safety, around what, it, what is the safety, what, what is the, 
experience like of getting on a plane, right? Um, and how are we going to make that safer, right? Um, and this this is true in my own personal life, right? I am a black man, and there have been many news stories about what happens to black men who get stopped by the police, right? And so I have an outsized fear of being shot by a police officer, right? Even though my own personal experiences with police officers have never been life-threatening or felt life-threatening, by and large, I have been treated respectfully by the two or three times I've been stopped by police officers. Um, there's one incident that wasn't terrible, but that, that wasn't very good, actually, but it wasn't like life-threatening or anything. Um, that having been said, I have this huge outsized fear. If I'm driving on the street and I see a cop car, the first thing that flashes into my head is Philando Castile. But if you actually look at the numbers, right? Um, let's start with one that should make me afraid. Um, as a black man, as a, or as a black American, at least, I am three times more likely to die at the hands of the police than a white person. All right? Fair enough, right? That's a great reason for me to be scared of police officers, right? But here's the th- and uh, but here's the thing that that statistic kind of leaves out a couple of things. First, let's say okay, removing for a moment the fact that it's three times more likely for me, how likely actually is it? So something like um, the 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 average Black American's chance of being killed by the police, and this is a 2015 statistics, is point zero 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 nine percent, right? Which is not great. I'd rather it be zero percent, but <laughs> it's a really, really, really tiny chance, right? And if I were to compare that to something like dying in a car crash, dying in a car crash, the odds are 0.01 percent, which is super high, right? So what I should be scared of, right? If you just look at the probability, what I should be much, 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 much more scared of by I think a couple orders of magnitude, if my math is correct, is dying in a car crash. But when I get in a car. I'm not thinking about, you know, oh, am I going to die in a car crash when I get in the car? What I'm thinking about if I, like, you know, pass by a police car or something is, oh, shit, is that police officer going to kill me, right? (laughs) Not, oh, are any of the other cars around me going to kill me, right? Because that's a much more likely scenario. Um, But the thought of it, right? I'm not thinking about the probability. I'm thinking about how terrible it would be to be shot by a police officer, right? And for whatever reason, that is a much scarier notion to me than the thought of dying in a car crash. Um... But here's another thing I leave out, right? I'm thinking about how bad the odds are for me. As it turns out, for Native Americans, the odds of getting shot by a police officer are even worse. And that's something we never talk about. But it's true. That's, that's, that's how the math works out. But that's not what I think about. I think about what's the odds for me? What's the outcome for me, right? It's a very selfish kind of bias. Um, so uh, in terms of combating this, I don't really have a surefire one or I haven't seen any literature suggesting that, oh, this is how you overcome that. But what I can say is this. All right. So one of the studies into um, probability neglect um, kind of points to children being especially susceptible to this. And there's this great experiment where they sort of say, okay, uh, you tell a kid a story about, well, there's, um, you know, we all know you should be wearing your seatbelt because, you know, you can get in a car accident and that'll help keep you from like going through the windshield, right? Something really bad happening. You'll be safer if you wear a seatbelt. However, there was this one time, right? The, this um, person like uh, got in a car crash and they fell in a lake and they couldn't get their seat uh, belt undone and so they drowned. Or there was another time like where um, uh, there was like a fire in a car and the person couldn't get out of the car because the seatbelt got stuck. So should you or should you not wear seatbelts? Um, and the kids would sort of say, oh, well, you shouldn't wear a seatbelt because like what if you get, you know, stuck in a lake or stuck in a fire? And like, yeah, but you know that the odds of like, you know, you know, uh, being in a car crash are way higher, right? Like, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I should um, wear a seatbelt. Um, but you also know that if you're wearing the seatbelt, there's a really low chance. But you could, you know, maybe just maybe, you know, um, 
uh, gets stuck in the car when something bad happens. And like, then they, they, basically they keep going back and forth. Like one kid was even like, okay, wear a seatbelt, but only for half of the trip, right? Like that was their, their conclusion. So I say all this to basically say, uh, if you ever find yourself like looking at something that you know has a really low probability of happening, but you're going to act like or make decisions as if it were a high probability thing, maybe even a way that puts you in danger, just tell yourself you're acting like a child. <laughs> um, that might work, right? I know for me, when I was a kid growing up, um, if I was like having a temper tantrum or something, my, my mother would sort of tell me that I was acting like a baby. And for whatever reason, my pride would simply not accept that and I'd stop crying. <laughs> so maybe, just maybe, this, this strategy will work for you if you tell yourself, hey, wait, you're acting like a little child by overestimating or uh, by, by overreacting to this really low probability event and making really bad decisions, you know, as a result, maybe that will help. I don't know. Um, anyway, that is all for uh, this episode of the Cognitive Bias Podcast. My name is David Dylan Thomas, and we will see you next time. 